Uh, I'm keen to get your take on Kevin Peterson versus the English Cricket oh, Board. God. KPV ECB. Yeah. That's a nice little. That's a nice little term. I mean, there's been for. a over the past few weeks. There's certainly been a, a lot of punches thrown, hasn't there? And... Shitstorm, I believe, is the technical term. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Check it. Check your almanac. <laughs> no. Um, well. Look, l- let me put it this way. Shit house? Yeah. I can't find shit store. <laughs> Jeez, it's out of date. Get the updated version. All right. You go look for it. Look, let me put it this way. If you ask the Australian Test 11 whether they're happy about the fact that they won't ever have to face him again, they, they would be ecstatic about it. Yeah. And I suspect the, yeah, the opponents of England across the board would pretty much say that same thing. Love him, hate him, anywhere in between. Although there doesn't seem to be really much in no. between with KP. No, I don't think but there is. But... The fact remains is that he is England's highest run scorer in international cricket, if you combine tests, ODIs and T20s. So this is you know, one of the original cricket-playing nations. He mm. is their highest international run scorer. I would make the case that he is arguably behind James Anderson their best and most important player, even right now. And I just think the whole thing was just so poorly managed. Oh, yeah. Just, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the thing that's interested me more is, I guess, his comments about the, uh, I guess, the bowling fraternity and... Yeah. yeah. And but, I, I, I mean, did find it interesting that... Um, I mean, we probably should recap what it is because it was a few weeks ago now that... Well, it was, let me just say first, there is one thing that Kevin Peterson did that was absolutely and utterly indefensible, and that was the text messages sent to the South African side about, about Andrew Strauss Agreed. and his technique and that. Of all the other things he's done, you know, where you can say right or wrong, that was the one thing which I think was unforgivable. And to be honest, I could understand if he had never played international cricket again after that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of everything else, at the end of the day, I think part of being a competent sports management body is you have to enable and empower these mavericks and these individuals Mm. because they are the ones who, number one, perform on the field and get your team wins, and number two, bring the fans in through the turnstiles, get people passionate about the game, yeah, and attract followers to the sport. You can talk about your, your Roy Keynes, your Shane Warnes, you know, your Kevin Petersons. I put a lot of them in that same category. I think sport, by its very nature, attracts a lot of egotistical, immature, very single-minded and selfish characters. But mm. that's what sport is. If yeah. you didn't have them, then sport would be the poorer for it. Yeah. So, and, you, and you wouldn't have uh, laughable things like the LeBron Jones, the decision. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I mean, he, that's a great yeah. example, yeah. You know, I, with all the controversy about the hate signing them, they yeah. did win two championships after that. Mm. You know, you hear a lot of comments about even, you know, Roger Federer, who's lauded by outsiders as being such a good sport and so humble and that. You hear a lot of rumblings that you know behind the scenes he's actually a bit of a sore loser the only problem is that he hardly ever loses you know you hear all sorts of top elite level sportsmen have these personality flaws but that's because it's those personality flaws that get their shortcomings as human beings are what makes them 
you know, ultimately successful as sportsmen. Mm. And I think if you look at David Gower, I'm trying to think. I'm, there are a few other English players over the years. Ian Botham. Yeah, Ian Botham. Yeah, he's the other prime example. The simple fact is I think that if these guys had played for Australia, they would have had even more successful careers, you know, and they would have been lauded as greats of the game and they would be remembered now without any, uh, I guess, asterisks next to their name or anything like that. It just seems like the English cricket board over time just do not know how to manage and cater for these sorts of, yeah, maverick individuals. I sound a bit like John McCain right now, don't I? <laughs> the mavericks. Yeah, look, I think that that's... The, the key outtake that I had is that there, is, there seemed to be a pretty significant failing in leadership at the top level with regards to to Peterson and the management of Peterson. But uh, I think more importantly, the thing that worried me was that there seemed like there was kind of three sets of rules. There was a set of rules for Peterson. There was mm. a set of rules for the the senior mm. people of the team. I'm talking Anderson Broad, yeah. Swan and Pryor. The creators of the KP parody Twitter. Yeah, account. that's right. The cre- <laughs> yeah, let's say that. And then a set of rules for all the young guys in the team. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, how, how are you going to promote team harmony mm. and unity when everybody's operating under a completely different structure? And, and, and more than that, it's in your fucking best interests to make it work, you know? If you need to have Andy Flower and Alistair Cook, including Kevin Peterson in the leadership group and including him in those sorts of discussions, then you do it. Because yeah. if you do that, then you will reap the rewards... Mm. On, you know, based on his on-field performances. Yeah. The fact is, if they w- had been able to manage him better, mm. he would he would still be an absolute, you know, an absolute certainty to be a starter in their Test eleven right now. Well, I mean, not probably. Only, but in, I mean, not only that is that even in the in the short to medium term at that point in stage, you're probably going to get a better performance out of him as well because he's emotionally invested. Mm. And I mean, that's the thing that came out from the Ashes thing is that you got the impression, obviously, he he. he well, there were rumblings saying that. One thing that Handy Flower held against him was that he was once seen whistling after he was dismissed. Yeah. In one of the test matches, I think Dan Bredig yeah. sent a tweet saying, must find out exactly what tune he was whistling yeah. <laughs> when Andy Flower heard him. It, it just seems like they were just looking for a reason to ostracise him. And that's all well and good, but if... Having gone through the whole, uh, the re, what did they call it? The reintegration, you know, into the side. And then having played one of the single great test innings over in India to Mm. help England to a test series victory in India. Mm. I mean, the last time Australia were over there, we lost 4-0. England won that series 3-1, you know. If you're going to do all that and bring him back into the fold, well, then you can't just suddenly say, oh... No, you know what? He actually pisses us off a bit in the change room. So, you know, let, let's yeah. uh, let's ostracise him again. Let's put him on the outer. Well, I mean, the thing that... I guess the other thing that kind of strikes me as a bit weird about this, I mean, look, they were completely and utterly demoralised in the Ashes. But out of the... Who was their best player in that Ashes series? I was actually going to say, out of their batsmen, the only two that actually showed any kind of spine or resistance whatsoever mm-hmm. were Carberry and Peterson. Yep. And neither of them have played a tense. And Carberry has also come out, obviously, without publishing a book and doing all the other, you know, having that celebrity behind him. Mm. But he has since also come out and publicly said he he feels like he is persona non grata in terms of the whole English setup. Yeah. 
And I, I, the thing that I did find very interesting about, you know, obviously Pryor and Swan and all these guys coming out and taking their shots at Peterson after that, saying it was a great work of fiction and all these other things. But I did find it interesting. Two, two people whose opinions are who I rate because just, A, because of who they are, they, they seem to be very genuine individuals. Yeah. But also partly because of their, I guess, their roles and their tenures and the thing. It was very interesting. Stuart Clark. Pretty much as soon as it came out the first time, he'd played a a season with Peterson in, in county cricket. Yeah. And he'd said, look, you know, Peterson certainly marches to his own drum and he's very much mm. an individual and all of that. But in throughout my entire experience playing with him, he never did something that was against what the team was wanting. And on the contrary, he would actually outperform our expectations on mm. a continual basis. If he was, you know, included and in the discussions. Said, yeah, but, and and, and it was, he was saying, is, is that, I, you know, he was basically saying that I saw absolutely no evidence that this guy wasn't a team player, irrespective of what else was said. As long as he's well managed. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, and once again, another, another person who said a, few, a lot of things along that line was Michael Vaughan, who said, I never had a problem with Peterson. Mm. That's probably because Vaughan's a good leader. But we yeah. won't, I mean, look, that's that's it the whole thing with yeah. yeah, the whole thing with Cook and Flower that's questionable is is that you know Cook with with these Andersons and Broads and these guys in the thing, mm. Cook isn't given a chance to lead yeah. because of the dominant nature of these guys' personalities. But I also found it really telling when Ricky Ponting came out and said he backed up what Peterson had been saying about those guys berating yeah. the other players. Yeah. And that sort of hostile, yeah. uncomfortable environment out in the field. And I can tell you, you know, having played just club-level cricket, yeah. there is nothing worse. There is... I can... Honestly, as I sit here right now, I cannot think of a worse feeling than dropping a catch yeah. in a cricket game. Mm. It is one of life's most god-awful experiences. You're talking... And, yeah, and I mean... And yeah. I can guarantee you right now, someone who's out there representing their country, if they've just dropped a catch they would just be wanting a hole mm. to just appear and swallow them up in the ground. So to then exacerbate that situation by, yeah, but, you know, berating them or having a go at them on the field, mm. that is just, yeah. yeah. It's hard to put into words the impact that that would have on your morale. Yeah, well, that's and right. That. And, I mean, it, it's, it becomes a very quick downward spiral. Mm. I mean, I haven't played cricket for a good 15 or so years now, at least. But, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about because I used to be a wicketkeeper. So, oh, you know, yeah, yes, yeah. it's even worse when you're a keeper. You feel bad letting the bye through, you and, know. And, um, and the other thing is, is that the next time a batsman top edges one and you're standing underneath a skyer, yeah. It, you're actually far, far less likely to take that next catch if that's what's happened after you drop the first one. Yeah. One of the best... I, I remember once after I had dropped a catch and one of the guys on our team, he after the next delivery, it had been bold and it was going from keeper to the slips to mid-off, he went out of his way to throw it across to the other side of the wicket to me. He said, Jacko, threw it to me. Caught it, I was like, what's going on? And he went... Well, you caught that one, so make sure you do that the next time as well. Yeah. And that's that's like the perfect... Yeah. That was the best possible thing he could have done. And I took three more catches that day, two of which were really tough chances. Mm. And I remember thinking afterwards, that was the best possible thing he could have done because straight away, he there was no blame, there was mm. you know ac no accusations or anything like that. It was like, just make sure you get the next one. Yeah. 
So, yeah, to have that sort of uh, on-field, you know, finger-pointing and, and, yeah, that sort of attitude, it means actually you're more likely to continue to make those sorts of mistakes in the future. Mm. But for me, all this entire affair boils down to is just it emphasises how important man management is yes. in terms of off-field, uh, off-field side of um, sport. I think it's, it's man management, that there's that, but the, and, and haloing that is the role of leadership, strong leadership. Yeah. I, 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 I have to make that very clear. It's actually strong leadership because mm. you can have leadership, but you can have ineffectual leadership. Yeah. So having the person, the Steve War, the Alan Border in particular yeah. is a perfect example of this is the guy's like, no, this is how it's going to be done, and if you mm. don't like it, fuck off, I'll find someone else. Or, alternatively... See the, the Craig yeah. McDermott yeah. ran. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Keep that shit up, you'll be on the next fucking plane home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alternatively, the example I would always use, who's, I mean, is probably the arguably the best Australian captain of all time, is Mark Taylor, yeah. whose man management skills were exceptional. Mm. And, you know, he... he demonstrates that to this day he's got this very understated very laconic nature about him mm. but in terms of the way he ran that team i mean the 95 test series in the west indies was when the baton got passed in terms mm. of the great eras of cricket that was when australia took over we came into that series with two of our best fast bowlers injured mm. and reading all the different autobiographies and tour diaries and everything else of that series every single player to a man emphasised how Taylor, in all their pre, pre-game pre meetings and strategy talks and everything like that, would say, right, things haven't gone well for us, I'm not panicked, but here is exactly what we need to do in order to still achieve success mm. in this series. And I think if you had a leader like that, if, you know, if Michael Vaughan had played for another 10 years, then as good as Kevin Peterson's results are have been as we sit here now, they could have been 10, 20% better, yeah. I reckon. And at the end of the day, who loses out from that? It's England. Mm. You know, fine, the bloke can be a bit of a cunt in the dressing room. That, that's, that's life. That's sport. You're not going to get with saying, everyone. But if he's say, legitimately one of your best players, the onus is on you to make it yeah. work. I was just about to say, I doubt Shane Warne was the most liked player in the Australian dressing mm. room, yet he's arguably the greatest speedballer of all time. Yeah. And I mean, Steve Warren, Shane Warren were pretty much, you know, there was open hostility between them. Mm. But in terms of the entire team structure and all the off-field support staff, and I know Tom Moody was one who played a really important role, Steve Warren always says, particularly in the 99 World Cup. Cup, They managed to, you know, bring everyone together and still perform. And if you look at, as I say, if you look at all these players, the Gowers, the Bothams and and the, the Petersons, I just think, had they been a part of the Australian setup, where we seem to be a lot better at embracing and nurturing and, you know, emphasising the importance of these star players who might, yeah, might be a bit of a prick, mm. but at the end of the day, they're absolutely first-class sportsmen. Mm. I just think, yeah, they, they could have been even better than they actually were. Yeah. England just seemed to have a real issue with that sort of personality and it's happened over a number of decades now and they still can't seem to sort it out so look at the end of the day as i say as a nation playing against england you know there's an ashes series over in england next year Mm. i for one will be very very happy not to see one k peterson in the lineup that's Mm. for damn sure yeah
You actually reminded me of something just a second ago. How much you dislike me? Besides that. <laughs> That's a constant. You didn't need reminding of that. NBA draft. <laughs> yes, I was actually going to ask you, as the back-to-back defending champion, are we doing it all over again for another year? They're running scared. Oh. You... I'm going to call them out here. You piss-weak little cowards. That is disgraceful. Join up and take your ass whooping like men. Come on. Yeah. I think that's been the <laughs> official slogan for a few professional organisations <laughs> over the years. <laughs> that's right. I think but, MMA, for instance. Yeah. But um, it, it actually, the NBA season having started now, I've, I didn't And get, I know about it for once. Thank you, get, ESPN. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to make some bold predictions that I, I had on tight at the start of the well, year. based on our bold predictions before the 2014 grand final, that, that might be for the best. <laughs> but my bold predictions before the 2014 season, AFL yeah. season. Before the season, they were spot on. Well, just before that last game, we were slightly, yeah, we yeah. reverted to form, let, yeah. let's be honest. But um, five bold calls. I'm going to make five. Number one, you will win your draft competition this year. That, that, I'm just making one bold call. Well, since I'm the only person in it, yeah, that's a, like, yeah. That's a good... That's, that's no. boldness right there. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I must admit, Cleveland have struggled to get out of the gate. That that didn't surprise me. Miami, when... Is that the new the LeBron new, James? The new, the new old LeBron James yeah. team. Um, not surprised at that. Miami started 9-8 and eight, uh, his first year with Wade and Bosch. So... That wasn't really a surprise, but they did come good and ended up getting all the way to the NBA Finals. Boo! Cleveland, and then lost to Dallas, which was great. Boo, yeah! <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Cleveland, I, I'm tipping Cleveland to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll recover. So they're, what, what they're was their good. starting record? Uh, well, Miami started nine and eight, and I can't. Remember. Yeah. I think they ended up with uh, they were in the high fifties or low sixties that that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cleveland's and they, Miami had the Miami had the number. Uh, I think they had. I'm trying to remember if they had the one or the two seed. I think they had the one seed that year. Um, so they ended up with the one seed. I don't think Cleveland will get the one seed. I expect them to be probably mid fifties. So what's their record at the moment, though? How far back are they coming from? Oh, geez. It's, I'm supposed to be uninformed on basketball. Cleveland are about a 500 team at the moment. So, nice, but that will nicely improve. generalised. <laughs> that, will, that will improve as the year goes on. They'll probably win mid-50s. They'll probably be... I'd suspect the Eastern Conference is really weak. They'll Even mid-50s, they'll probably be a two-seed. Maybe They may get the one-seed. But I can see them getting through to the Eastern Conference finals purely on the back of the fact that they're in the Eastern Conference. Obviously. And whilst they're still teething... For some that was introduced as a bold call. There's no, a this distinct is, lack this of boldness. Is where, this so is where far. the bold right, call here comes. Here we go. Enter the bold. They won't win the Eastern Conference. Boom. There it is. I think that Chicago will win the Eastern Conference this year. I think that they have. Um, they've, they've been building for a few years. They've been a bit unlucky with injuries. They've had some horrendous, horrendously bad luck with injuries with, to a lot of their core players. This year's the year they finally got depth in their squad. The year of the bull. So, yes. So that you reckon they're just ahead of them both alphabetically and in terms of performance. 
I'm trying to cover for the yeah. fact you didn't know Cleveland's oh, record right now. Come on. I think you were trying to cover for the... Well, it, it changes every day because they play every yeah. day. But you're supposed to be following this sport. You're supposed to be up to speed on this. We can't afford to have two people who know nothing about yeah. basketball on this show. Excuse me. That's that's not the case. And you well know it. Um, yeah. But so I, I think Chicago will get the one seed. And the one seed will be enough to get you through. Um, the only caveat that you have on that is... The Cavs. The caveat. I yes. like it. That was a nice touch. Derek, Derek Rose has to be fit for the finals. Rose must bloom? Okay. I'll, no, I'll, stop. I'll stop. Yeah. There can't be any, any prickles on the rose, basically. Um, he He's not the player he was when he won the MVP three years ago. Um, he's had some really bad knee injuries, uh, leg injuries, problems with his ankles now. Not good for an explosive point guard, but well, not good for any basketball. He's just a, he's just important to. He's the heartbeat of that. That him and Joachim Noah are the heartbeat of that particular team. And if either of them aren't playing, it has a pretty significant impact on their their team. But if you ever saw Beauty and the Beast, you know that rose that essentially is the Beast's life force. That's what this rose is to the the Cavs. Let's go with that to the Bulls. I think. Ah, uh, the Bulls. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so there's show, no lack of knowledge showing, showing up showing again. Yeah. Pop culture reference. There we go. Okay. Here's prediction s- number two. Prediction number two I made on the phone to uh, your good friend and mine, Mr. Asher Hunter. Yeah. Um, Do we have a recording of that? No, we don't, unfortunately. No. Before the scene started, Anthony Davis to win the MVP. I have no idea who Anthony that is. Davis, a.k.a. the Unibrow. Um, he's a third-year player. For the New Orleans Pelicans, and as part of why he'll win the MVP is the Pelicans, who have historically been a thirty-odd win team, they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're and I be think picking up a few more fish in their bills. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, he does bring the bad puns, and that's about all he's bringing to this conversation. And plus, uh, just on the but, basis of his nickname, I would say he could just glare well, at the umpires the and get a few of, more votes. But the too. part of it is no, well, that is voted by the media. Oh, okay. They actually do it properly over there. Um, and they don't take well to threats. <laughs> no, and he's he's a very unique player. Um, but a big part of the reason why I say Davis is that I Kevin Durant's out injured and he's going to miss probably about 20 or so games. The teething problems with the Cavs isn't going to reflect well on LeBron, so his votes are probably going to be downscaled as a result of that as well. The other thing about LeBron is he's hit the critical 40,000-minute mark in the NBA, and that's when your physical skills start to deteriorate. Is that actually known as a point, the 40,000-minute mark? I mm. love that. That's awesome. That's that's the telltale sign. The tipping you, point. Yeah, the tipping point where your skills physically start to deteriorate. Davis is on the rise. He had a really good year last year, then he got injured at at an unfortunate time and it took away a lot of his momentum, but also the momentum of the team. Mm. He was also being forced to play out of position. New Orleans have recruited Amir Sheik as a centre so that he can play in his more natural power forward position. He started the season really well. He's putting the power in power forward. He is. Started the season really well. Hasn't surprised me at all because, as I said, I said he was he, going to win. He the allegedly event. made this claim before the season started. I did. Well, so, so there we go. That's 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 tip two. Number three, worst record in the NBA this year. 
Please say the hate. Please say the hate. Please say the hate. No. The worst record in the East will be Philadelphia. That's no surprise to anyone. They're well and truly in tank mode and they lost the game yesterday by a whopping 59 points. Jesus Christ, Philly. And they down... It was, I think it was 72-29 at the half, which is just disgraceful. So they actually did well to stop it from blowing out. <laughs> Even more, yes. While Dallas took pity on them and set their starters pretty much from the start of the third quarter. And also played with one hand tied behind their back. <laughs> Worst team in the West, which will surprise a lot of people, Los Angeles Lakers. Jeez. I'm tipping them to get... I'm tipping Utah... To, yeah, uh, someone out on the street agrees with you, mate. I yeah, think we've got a Lakers fan driving past. <laughs> beep if you support Los Angeles. Or right, beep yeah. if you want to abuse the yeah. guy abusing Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, I'm tipping that Utah are actually win more games than Los Angeles this year. There which you is go. A, which is a, which is if you know, I guess where each squad's at is a bit of a surprise. Oh, it's all so, about the XM factor. See, I know that. There you go. More NBA knowledge that I continue to just yeah. scatter throughout this episode. Tip four. Number four. Miami Heat to win 50-plus games. Ah. Uh, Jeez. That's not really a bold the call, only re- is it? It is. It is a bold call when you lose the best player in your team and you only won 58 last year. Mm. To still be around that mark. To, look. The funny thing about how it's all played out, how that all played out, is that Miami actually got to spread their depth a little bit better. Yeah, something they haven't been too used to over the last. Well, few that's years. exactly right. It was basically LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh, and a whole heap of random parts. <laughs> and co. Yeah, uh, you know they were able to to kind of reallocate the LeBron money to yeah. to shore up some of their other positions. And the other the other reason why uh, any Anybody in based in Perth pays attention to the Heat is, of course, uh, our MVP James Ennis playing for Miami now. So is he actually getting a regular start? He's for been them playing now. in his, in his and the uh, the most exciting thing uh, he's he's getting spotty time at this particular mm, stage. No, but but well, any time in the NBA. But uh, the thing that excited any Wildcats fan the most, I guess, was uh, in his very first game, he dunked on somebody. Oh, nice. And uh, the, the Perth style. Yeah, that's right. Jungle style. He laid the smack down like he did with the Wildcats. Uh, so, very um, nice. Yeah. It, All that was missing was the sound yeah. over the uh, PA system after he but, did it. Uh, yeah, it was... So, he's... Um, He's here. Oh, as I say, I think that they, it, you know, Bosch and Wade kind of took a little bit of a backseat to James. And well, for, really, for, who for wouldn't obvious, take a backseat? For obvious him. reasons, Bosch in, Bosch in particular, Bosch is um, a much better player than he was allowed to show, I guess, in the structure that Miami was playing. And they've got a really smart coach. He'll find a way to... to the Bosch boss. To, yeah. <laughs> and Lou Alding's... Probably gonna gives you probably eighty five percent of what LeBron James gives you at half the cost. I so, like those numbers. So it it works well for them. They could get some other pieces. I I think that they'll probably still make a trade before the season's out, and I could see them. I could see them getting a three or four seed in the in the East. And if right. Chicago if Chicago falls over with injury, wouldn't so surprise for me. Fuck's sake, Chicago! On behalf of all of us. Get your shit together, all right? Wouldn't surprise Stay me. Stay strong. Wouldn't surprise me if Chicago fell over to see Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wouldn't surprise me either to see Miami succeed, mainly because I don't want them to. 
So come on, Chicago. Make and us proud. Here is... Number five. Here is the biggest call. Oh. Yeah, we really should have forked out more for that drum roll sound effect. <laughs> I'm actually really scared to say this. Oh, I feel it. I need to be again. The NBA champions this year, the Golden State Warriors. Good news for our, good news for Australians and for uh, Australian centre Andrew Bogut. Ah, the bogeyman. Well, the bogeyman. And well, uh, the reason why I say that with great fear is Golden State need Bogut to be healthy. And that's not him, something that has been a common occurrence um, in the yeah, last few years. And even I know that he's had the he's just had this bizarre knack of copying these really <laughs> unfortunate injuries. Um, There's a list on the website. Well, Check it out. Some weird and wacky stuff. <laughs> that's right. I still think about the uh, the elbow one. That's just oh, that's just. Oh. But anyway, how'd you manage that? New coach. I mean, they they were a good team last year, but they've got a they've upgraded their coach. They've upgraded their bench. Steph Curry is probably the the well, he's the best guard playing at the moment. He's probably the the best or the second best pure scorer in the NBA. They've got Hot curry. They've got some. <laughs> These are getting worse before yeah. they're getting better. They get. They've got some really nice pieces. They can. They can actually make a move or two if they feel they're lacking slightly. Come trade deadline time as well. They've got a nice balance now of offense and defense. I. I think if everybody, if everybody is going there with their best team, fully fit, going into the into the playoffs, and it stayed that way. Golden State would win more often than anybody else. For the record, I can tell you that Indiana towed them up by about 20 points yesterday, though, because I was watching that one. Um, but I hesitate to ask. Hopefully you're a bit more up speed on the knowledge this time. But what's their current record? I, I believe it is... They were the last really undefeated good. team. I think they're 6-2, yeah. or they might be 7-2 at yeah, this particular I, point in time. Yeah, I've got... I think they were 6 they've had a, yesterday. They've had a couple of people sit out games with um, with injuries. Their their starting shooting guard Clay Thompson's currently out with a sore wrist. Yeah. Who's their best two way player. So he's their best Forgive my ignorance, what does that a mean? A two way player means um, mix of offense and defence. So he's a good offensive player but he's also a really good defender. So he's an elite in terms of two guards well shooting guard positions, he's one of the better defenders at that position and he's He's um, as opposed to just a point scorer. Yeah, and he's a yeah, he's three point shooting. He's got a really he's it's sublime. Yeah, he's yeah, beautiful shooting, beautiful shooting action actually. Um, him and him and Curry are the best backcourt in the NBA, and it's not even close. Um, so, so why is it a big call then to say that they're gonna injuries? Is they're the, gonna win it. The only thing that's that will stop them is injuries. I I honestly believe. I think that um, that. You never know with um, you know Andrew Bogut with David Lee, who's their starting no. power forward. So it's not so much just injuries; it's the injury-prone players they have. <laughs> yeah, David Lee's had trouble staying fit of late. He's got some hamstring problems. Curry's had ankle problems in the past, although to his credit, he's managed to to play the last couple of years without too many problems. You now have the issue with Clay Thompson. The thing is, is that as just, I said, is I there anyone that, fit? <laughs> I think that the thing that I like about them now is just that they now actually have depth to cover okay. these things that they haven't always had in the past. 
yeah. and they'd been exposed with a very, very short rotation. And you, you need seven or eight quality NBA players to win a championship, and they probably were at six or seven. Mm. And then you lose a couple, that and, makes it a bit more difficult. And you become difficult. a couple short. Yeah. <laughs> So and there yeah, it I is, said, the, G- said, yeah. the GSWs. Yeah, I say Jeez, that, that could have been a more catchy acronym, couldn't it? Uh, I tell you, what, I, I say that with immense trepidation, because <laughs> well, the it's the the thing, the other thing about Golden State is it's the West. It's really tough to get out of the West. The West will win it this year, but it's really tough to get out of the West. There's of the eight best teams in the NBA, six would play in the West, and if you were trying to split it upper half, lower half. So if you said 16, 16 above, 16 below, the mix well and truly wouldn't be 8 and 8. It would probably like be 12 and 4. So it's a bit like the American League uh, Eastern of the NBA yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, it's so, I mean, that's that's the challenge. It's tough to get out of the West. But I, I, I honestly believe... But if they, they do, they will ride off into the sunset with a champion's yeah. ring on their finger. Yeah. That's right. So, so there you go. All Golden State Warrior fans out there, when they finish this season with an average yeah, well, of just below 500, direct all yeah. hate mail to at the blowpod on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, that's right. When and they, also tag me in at Dan the Action Man yeah, as well. Yeah, when they, when they, yeah, that's right. When they GJ finish, abuse. <laughs> when they finish 43 and 39 and miss the playoffs. You know uh, who to blame. Yeah. You know who to come to. Yeah. So, yeah, well, as I say, I'm calling Golden State Chicago. NBA Finals, Golden State to win probably in in six or seven. And as I say, I'm going to push out accurate predictions. Your grand final predictions for the AFL this year were spot on. So there we go. I'm just going to pop down to the TAB and whack a Quinella on GSW in Chicago to finish 1-2 this year. Yeah, and I will, of course, keep my receipt and... Uh, Bill GJ for a re- refund if they don't manage to make it happen. You'd probably get decent odds on that too, to be honest. You'd probably be getting 30s, I reckon. Well, if I can just go off on a tangent, I'm just spewing that I didn't put some money on Aston Villa to get relegated after the first four games of the season. After four games, we were on 10 points. And someone I mentioned it to someone, and I really should have actually followed through and put money on it. Because seven games later, having earned an, a whole additional one point in that time, and that was last week, and having now scored fewer goals than any other Premier League team, including the offensive might of Burnley, and having had, based on last week, someone mentioned a stat in the coverage, had the fewest shots on target with 20, and the next lowest was Burnley with 30. So we're 50% behind the next worst. Yeah, Let's just say I'm currently looking for a new Premier League team for season 2015. Early nominations? Uh, It has to be someone like the new Aston Villa, sort of middle of the road, not one of the big clubs, sort of fly under the radar. So at this stage, probably someone like West Ham, who were good enough to give Aston Villa their first point in seven games last week. They're probably the front runners at the moment. You get to cheer for Sacco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I suppose at the moment, if I was thinking mid-table options, I could go Man United too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. So. Ooh, oh, bird! Oh, oh, bird on you! <laughs> yeah, a bit concerned with uh, Vangal's coming out and saying that it's uh, it's going to be a three to five year 
rebuilding plan. There's a lot of... Uh, I know, then, then sitting there thinking... There's a lot of Terry Wallace about that statement. Well, it's, it's a, <laughs> so why just spend £200 million pounds in the off-season? But anyway, yeah. And why is Fellaini still running around for you guys as well? Mm, yeah. Surely you could flog him off for, I don't know, maybe a couple of textbooks or, know. you know, a, a, like a junior soccer kit to... Oh, play around with the kids or something. You get a game at if if Cleveland's getting a game at Aston Villa or Fellaini, you'd definitely get one. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. As you put it, the most ironically named footballer in history, Tom Cleverly. Yeah. Stepping up in class, coming over to Aston Villa. <laughs> so yes, Aston Villa, please, for the love of God, get your shit together. I want to continue cheering for you next season, but I won't be able to do that if you're not in the Premier League. So, uh, given we're about a third of the way through the EPL season... 11 games in, yeah. yeah um, probably a good time to recap on how uh, the, I guess, the, the kind of loose bloke pod uh, EPL... The Dan Jackson goes. Invitational is the correct term, although I, my performance so far this year certainly doesn't suggest I deserve naming <laughs> rights of the competition. <laughs> and yeah, you may think it's a good time to review it, but I'd personally like to wait for a few more weeks until I'm actually, you know... Achieving some level of competence this season, yeah. Yeah, Well, I I, I can talk my first Mate, of the four people at this table, um, well, it's a six-team competition and you've managed to uh, get third through sixth here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first point I should make. That's definitely worth pointing out. And you're sitting in third, so... I don't know what you've got to complain about right now. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. How's that? <laughs> yeah. How do you think that makes us feel? What do you think I was running on last you? year? <laughs> look, look at me. But yeah, year. I mean, I came up second last, last year. Or last, the, yeah, last year's iteration of this, which rather than um, <laughs> actually having, you know, Matt Collins and Dave Archer, <laughs> people who have some clue what they're doing, and remember to log in after week three. Last year we had uh, Gregory Aver and Jimothy. <laughs> Who, I think with the exception of me doing Jimothy's team for him in wildcard week so that he could beat Timbo, I don't think either of them made any trades after about the fourth week. So there was a, uh, a definite bottom two and then average Timbo, myself and the bag man. Yeah. And, not, uh, not necessarily in that order. The bag man was absolutely robbed in the final. Well, Timbo was robbed by not making it. Because <laughs> I think he would have won the final by about 20 points. But the bag man was robbed in the final, having brought in an Arsenal goalkeeper and defender, and Arsenal kept a clean sheet, but those two players were both rested for the final game week of the season. I scraped home by four points or some very narrow margin, yeah. Certainly a long way behind Timbo. So, yeah, that was last season. So the Bagman was basically a um, a general soreness <laughs> strikes <laughs> Arsenal away from winning our competition last year. Sounds a bit like the APL, uh, the APL, yeah. the AFL, AFL yeah, this whatever year. the acronym is. Yeah. But this year it's fair to say things haven't gone quite so well <laughs> for, the, the for the Bagman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not been quite the same. Um <laughs> At the moment, Slight he sits on the in sixth place out of the six teams. Yeah. It's 
probably just lucky to be just up and above my seventh only right now. <laughs> two of the three other people who are sitting at this table. True. GJ yeah. not being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to add that fucking point? <laughs> Excuse me, you did. Yeah. You yeah, did prude. manage to. Uh, you did manage to beat me the week that Wayne Rooney got a red card. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so GJ was one of them. Thank you yeah. very much. So, so I've beaten all three of the three of you at yes. the table. Okay. All right. So well, I just, the I other just, three I, of us now killing the, ourselves. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Last week the big man managed to put up a massive 82, which was a big effort for him. It would have been enough to be... beat... Um, yeah. It was, like, it was my highest score seven. of the year, and it was like the second lowest score of all six in the in the competition or something. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Oh. Has, hasn't gone too well for him. So, <laughs> as things currently stand, there is... Well, I'm sitting in fourth, but uh, I am a lazy ten points behind uh, first place on the ladder. <laughs> after 11 games and I think I'm six or seven points out of second so Matt Collins and Dave Big D Archer are certainly raining shit upon us in this <laughs> competition um yeah yeah the two of them have pretty much got the uh <laughs> the treasured home final <laughs> sewn up already and credit um, to both of them for being in the top thousand on the side as well yeah the, the two of them are put in a massive performance I mean I'm I think 127,000 overall so I'm not doing that badly I'm actually like 13,000 ahead of where I finished last year but yeah Big D and Matty C have just raised the bar I mean I, they're about 80 points in front of me yeah. I think on average so far this season Timo and I worked out last night they've beaten Bagman by 17 points each week which yeah. is a pretty impressive feat and, uh, really yeah. when, you, when you think about That's it and, uh, and again this is the guy who was but for a general sauna, <laughs> would have been the defending champion. Yeah. He's, um, yeah. And I think Matty C's team's currently worth over 104 million. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So we'd be we getting schooled. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah so GJ's currently on 16 points, and then it's me on 15, Timbo on 12, and Bagman on 9. Yep. The major concern for me, of course, is that Timbo has outscored me in terms of points. So yeah. the second I drop a game, he'll just uh, <laughs> leapfrog me. Aston Villa goal difference style. <laughs> yep. The best thing is, a couple of weeks ago, I beat Timbo, and I'm 100 points behind him. I still beat him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it's, uh, I mean, for me, so, yeah, this we're is... left clutching at those sorts yeah. of straws this I mean, season. This is... speaking, speaking of general soreness, is that Timbo? How's your ass? For me. <laughs> I've I've been uh, I've been sensational this year at dropping guys who then obviously <laughs> that's yeah. all I got to do. Just look we at need to do an algorithm which one. actually yeah. yeah investigates players. Yeah, uh, Alexis Sanchez went on a hot streak the week <laughs> after. Did I you drop him? <laughs> oh my god! Who was that? Sanchez. Oh, yeah. The bloke who scored three bonus points that's four probably, weeks in a row now. That's probably the same guy that but, but why, probably the same week you, I brought him why in. Why did you drop him? Oh, he's done nothing earlier in the year. Absolutely nothing, and I I went I went sideways to Di Maria and yeah. Oh God, that worked. That well. is the one good thing I have. It was a good decision for a couple of weeks, but yeah, not looking so good right about now. Yes. So yeah, all, all four of us are experiencing great great shame and embarrassment mm. with our just general crapulence so far this year. So, yeah. The onus is on all of us to just be better. <laughs> yeah. The moral of the story, do better. Yeah. 
and possibly see if you can hack into Dave or Matt's accounts and change their passwords so they're not able to make any adjustments to their team. Timothy and Gregor style. See, I much prefer it when they were the other two guys in the cop. Well, that, well, maybe what we should be doing is completely changing their team so that they lose all those points as well. Yeah. Either way, sabotage is pretty much our only point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yes, we, are, we all suck. That yeah. is all. The moral of the story, we suck. DJ, my um my Twitter account, I'm I'm contemplating shutting it down at the moment because, you know how it comes up with those uh, suggested uh, people for you to follow. Yeah. Well, Ryan Showmakers has appeared in my uh, in my suggestions list the other day. <laughs> maybe, I, I truly cannot find the words to express what went through my mind as I saw his fucking incompetent ugly mug coming up on the screen. Maybe he's following you after all the abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I threatened to follow him home and uh, (laughs) whack him in the kneecap with a crowbar a few times, but yeah, Twitter, fucking lift your game, hey, seriously. I am not following Ryan Showmakers. It's not happening. Are you following Brad Sewell? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't really put much up though, does he? No, he doesn't. But to be honest, that's a good thing. I'd rather that than someone like Ryan Showenmakers, who probably, you know, every couple of hours is going, oh man, I really got no idea how I'm going to match up on these guys this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> this La- game, Lakey, Lakey and Gibbo better both be fit slash not yeah. suspended. <laughs> James Frawley's come to the club. I really don't think that's going to impact on my situation. <laughs> James Frawley's sister might threaten my spot in the team. <laughs> <laughs> that's the notification from Ryan. Oh. He heard you. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was always on the fence about this whole social media thing because that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from being a social commentator. So yeah, yeah, the show and maker suggestion is is not helping. Ah, <laughs> oh, and now as I go to the fucking Ryan Showmaker's Twitter page, the first visit it's ever had, I'm getting told who to follow: Kevin Rudd and Glenn Maxwell. Jesus fucking Christ, Twitter! What are you doing to me? Oh, for fuck's sake. Be sure. No show. And also Hamish McIntosh, to whom, yeah, by comparison with those other three, I'm more or less indifferent. <laughs> it could have been Hamish McCorkland, so... No, 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 no. Yeah. They would have to decide whether it's a Hame, Hamo, or Hammer. <laughs> or Romping Winds. Yeah. Is there a way on Twitter to stop it suggesting people for you to follow? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm researching. It's called, could, uh, it's called closing your account. Yeah. You, could block or, you could block or report Ryan Show and make us for spam. <laughs> spam isn't the word I'd use exactly, but. <laughs> like you're thinking. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah, it's yeah. a Twitter account befitting the player. <laughs> and there's, yeah, as I say, there's like a picture of him. With his arm raised up towards some sort of dog or wolf-like creature. Why the fuck didn't the dog clamp down, sever all the arteries in his arm? Oh, what the fuck is it? Uh, uh, I didn't think it was possible for me to hate Ryan Showmakers any more than I previously I think uh, the photo of him in the pink shirt's more... more, uh, With the eyes. uh, Looking on the the, missing um, member of One Direction. I was going to say, it's it's all about the come fuck me eyes, which obviously every key power forward in the competition has uh, followed that advice. (laughs) Yeah. 
And just remember, the week after you play against me, you will be on afl.com.au as the best power forward in the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ah. Showmakers! I, it is one of the most disappointing moments of my life that Ryan Schoenmakers didn't end up uh, going to Fremantle, as some had rumoured he might have during the off-season. Because, yeah, the, the um, being able to go to all the Freo home games next season and witness Timbo just having to endure a little taste of <laughs> what I've suffered through for the last however many years this arse clown's been on the field. Oh, it just would have been hilarious. For once, Timbo would have been suffering. I would have been laughing at Schoenmakers. But instead, he continues to laugh at me. <laughs> As yeah. does Timbo. <laughs> Just pray that Jones for always... Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? I... As long as he's conscious at all times, he'll be an improvement, really. The bar's not exactly set high. <laughs> I was going to say, you might be surprised with Jones Rawley. No, he's not I as wouldn't. good as you think. I've followed show and makers for well years now, but a couple of weeks would have been enough to tell. <laughs> Pure garbage, and he should be in a Frio jumper. Would have been so awesome. Damn it! Yeah, Josh Kennedy would have liked the derbies. Yeah, well, yeah, everyone suddenly would have loved playing on Frio. That whole best defence in the competition lockdown thing that Ross Lyon had going. Yeah, there might have been a uh, show and maker spanner thrown in those particular words. I just think it'd be interesting with the first high ball came in, you got show and makers running in one direction and Zach Dawson in the other. <laughs> Ross Lyon's going, you know, people consider me a great defensive coach. How has it come to this? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, more to the point of being, I am a great defensive coach. Look! <laughs> Look at these guys yeah. back there. Our show and makers. Pencil him down for 22 games in Peel Thunder Jumper this year. <laughs> yeah. Jack Anthony style. <laughs> <laughs> Pencil. Yeah, You'd be writing that in with Byron. <laughs> yeah, if there is a uh, Jack Anthony Award or oh, Fremantle um, club, <laughs> club Championships, then Sean Makers would have been a lock to pick that up. Uh, I think Colin Sylvia would give him a good run for his money. He <laughs> oh, certainly would have done it this year. Yeah. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah, he of the three-year deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But damn it, yeah, just it would have been nice just for once to see Timbo. <laughs> On the receiving end of this wave of show and makers, shit. As a as a Frio man, Timbo, while we're having these discussions, he's the guy that fills you with the most vitriol when you're sitting uh, there watching the game. It's probably me if I'm sitting next to him. <laughs> Assuming that they're yeah, they're actually wearing a Frio jumper on the field. Well, the the guy in front of us is. Uh, Definitely oh, not. His uh, nomination not in for Daniel, Daniel Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. There's like, yeah. 12, uh, no, 11 weeks, isn't it? Yeah. 11 weeks of deep Pierce abuse. It's <laughs> pretty much a given when he's in the row in front of you. So is your Pierce off a lot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, he's actually a fan of Clancy Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> Clancy! <laughs> Yeah. Must make it all the more galling for him. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Come on, come on. Jim, like. Zach Dawson. He's got to be higher. Oh, I'm I'm thinking, thinking, in, in terms of that, I'd go the other Zach. Yeah, Zach Clark. Yeah, Zach Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Bit like Tarzan plays like Jane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, Colin Sylvia would would probably be a lock, except he's, he's not. Play. He's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah witnessed on a field often train. enough to really uh, <laughs> to really count, yeah. is he? Well, that Josh Smith guy too. He was a bit of a no roper. Josh Smith wasn't that yeah, his name? The, the guy who like didn't show up. Josh Simpson. Josh Simpson, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Josh Simpson, yeah. Shame here, uh, to be honest, it's shame he didn't make a beautiful kick of the football, both sides of his body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but. Didn't think, want, yeah. yeah. Once he just didn't show up for that flight this year, <laughs> yeah. I think he'd sort of seal his own fate there. Mm. No, oh. but I will say, that, and this is probably why I'm. Yeah, I am a Frio member. There aren't really any objectionable players on that team which is why Sean Makers would have fitted in so beautifully define, define they're crying out for that role I just say so define objectionable as an opposing supporter well I, I, right. I was just going to say do you want me to rattle off some, a few examples no but like, as a Fremantle fan I mean you know someone who you can just constantly hound for their the, the Clive Waterhouse 2014 <laughs> edition basically Scott Chisholm yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, no. I mean, I'd I actually, uh, I don't mind Hayden Ballantyne that much because I think he's, he's, it ties back to our conversation earlier about guys who are cunts but who are bloody good blokes to have in your side. And well, I reckon Hayden Ballantyne I, is absolutely one of them. There, my, I, I've been asked this before. What's my vitriol with him? Is my my issue is more, he's too good to do that shit. He doesn't have to do that shit. Yeah. So why does he do it? Yeah. It's the niggle factor. Yeah, but <laughs> the little paw. <laughs> but um, well, yeah. a, few, a few Geelong players uh, would be able to yeah. tell you why he does it. It's because it results in them getting suspended for <laughs> yeah. a few weeks after they play. Well, that serves him right for getting sucked into it, I guess. But mm. I, I just don't. I, I just wish he'd play. You know, just play. Just play the game. Um, no, don't do all that shit. You, you don't need to. You're too good. That's for that's for guys. For guys who are like William Pickens of the world, who are, who are just scraggers, <laughs> the lowest rung of society. <laughs> yeah. But still, he gets the crowd fired up, and he, mm. he gets the the passion, the purple passion, and all that. And he did get absolutely gypped in goal of the year this season. I still reckon his effort against Geelong was no, the best goal I, I saw this year. I reckon, didn't even make the short. I reckon Bonson Pelly got robbed. Yeah. That was that was the best goal. But that's more Austin Kloss though. It was really just oh, a no. grab snap goal. No, three efforts for him to get the ball in the first place. Mm. And then yeah, I mean yeah, I mean the finish bit of a yeah bit it, of jag bit to the fluky, finish, but, but the no. the work that he did to get the ball, I mean that's yeah. yeah. But no, I do think Ballantyne deserved at least to make the shortlist because there were a couple in, yeah. in there which were just pretty much standard goals on the well, run. Well, I mean, to be honest, the Matthew White one, whilst a great goal, was, you see that yeah. like once a week now. Exactly. Yeah. But he plays for Port Adelaide, so Koshy yeah. managed to uh, get, get him uh, yeah, bumped up the order. Yeah. Plus, Ballantyne's was against Geelong, and we all know what the AFL stance is on anything that goes against Geelong. Yeah. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. against it. <laughs> exactly! William knows what I'm talking about. Well put, Sir William. 